So today is the second to last in the series in Ephesians, and we're going to be looking at the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 20. And in summary, fully taking hold of the message of Ephesians equips us for warfare in the spiritual world. Very quick overview of Ephesians. There are seven walks in Ephesians. The first three chapters of Ephesians lay the groundwork, the theological truth. The rest is built on Christ's work in you from walking in sin and death to walking as a new creation. That's the first two walks. And then once we move into the application, we have walk in tune with your amazing new calling in 4.1. 417, walk not in the old self, but putting on the new. 5-2, walk in love. 5-8, walk in the light. And 5-15, walk in wisdom and in the spirit. And we saw last time that, that as Paul talks about the heavenly dimension, that actually there are two realities. The heavenly places, which isn't just a good place. There are, there are, that's where demonic forces are as well. The heavenly places and the physical blood and flesh world. And last time I, I gave you this picture of how my, my caption was, you are a lot taller than you think you are. In fact, if you are a new creation in Christ, you actually stretch right up into the spiritual world and you can do battle with the authority of Jesus because... He has been raised above all authority and power in, in, in creation, and you are in him, joined with him. So that was the introduction last week to spiritual warfare. We are actually empowered with Christ, and there are two dimensions, the material dimension we see around us and this spiritual dimension that's happening and I gave you summary of your new identity. You live in two realities, material and spiritual. There's a huge war raging in the spiritual dimension. Jesus has been raised above all powers. You are joined inseparably to him, and this power is available to you. Wake up and take a stand with courage and joy, knowing that ultimate victory is certain. And so we're going to speak today about the armor of God. Um, first of all, I'm going to say, whose armor is this? What, what is this armor? And then we're looking at putting on the armor, which is the main chunk of today. And then a small part at the end, some practical suggestions. Uh, so let's begin by looking at your handout at the passage that we've got. And we're going to start actually going right back to um, verse 10 and just see the, the, the context of this. <laughs> Finally, be empowered in the Lord and in his mighty strength. Put on the full armor of God that you may have the power to stand against, and then there are six against, against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against fle- blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the world powers over this darkness, against the evil spiritual beings in the heavenly places. Because of this, take up the complete armor of God that you may have the power to withstand on the evil day and having 
prepared in every way to stand. And then he goes on to what it means to be prepared. Before I leave these verses, um, there are some in this world, like for example in the prosperity gospel, where you take all these these um, commands to stand as I'm going to stand for for um, wealth, I'm going to stand for riches, I'm going to stand for God to take away all my debts. That's not battling in the spiritual realm. That's battling in the realm of flesh and blood. And whereas God can bring us blessings, that's not what this fight is about. It's much more serious than that. Um, So let's move on then to today's verses, which are verses 14 through to 20. And you'll see, to start with, that I've numbered those one through seven, because there are actually seven weapons that we have. And I'm going to go through these then. They're not all equal. We're going to see a lot more on the last one, which is praying. Stand then by strapping truth around your waist. You'll notice most translations say something like putting on the belt of truth. The word belt is not there in the original. Paul never wrote the word belt. People just put that in because, well, you've got to have some sort of armor, so let's make it a belt. But actually, he just says strapping on truth um, around your waist. And it probably would have been um, like not just a belt, but like a whole leather undergarment that would protect them. The other garments would be on top of it. Um, by putting on the breastplate of righteousness, by putting onto your feet the readiness, and again, he doesn't actually say shoes, just putting onto your feet the readiness to give the gospel of peace, by taking up in all situations the shield of faith with which you will have power to, and I've trans- it, it, some translations say with which we're able to extinguish, but it's actually the word power that's there. And it's a stronger word. You are empowered to, dis- to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. By receiving the helmet of salvation, by taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, by praying with every prayer and petition. And you'll notice I've put a box around um, all and every of the same kind of word in the Greek, and there's four of them. Just to emphasize, he's put four alls or everys in there. By praying with every prayer and petition at all times in the Spirit, watching for this purpose with all perseverance and making requests for all the saints. And also on behalf of me, that words may be given to me so that whenever I open my mouth with boldness, I will make known the mystery of the gospel on behalf of which I am an ambassador in chains that I may be bold as I should speak. And so I'm going to spend some time going through now what these mean. But before I do that, I want to ask whose armor it is because it begins by saying... Um, take up the complete armor of God. What is he talking about here? Well, let's, let's, you may have seen pictures like this. This is a picture to put up on a Sunday school wall. It's got a Roman soldier and like pointing to different bits of their armor. Um, and this is a very popular conception of what Paul is talking about in here. He's got a Roman soldier pictured in front of him. Maybe he's even in prison and he can see one right there and he's going through the armor. The problem with this is that it 
it's not actually a very good description. He doesn't. He misses out some of the main parts of the Roman armor. Um, he misses out things like the, um, the you know, the lower half of the body, the these gold things on his legs, which are called greaves, the cloak, various other things. He's not very complete. But the other thing is, he's actually making lots of quotations from another soldier, another soldier in the Bible. And Paul is constantly making verbal connections and quotes from this other soldier. Um, Further, some of the weapon believers are to don, namely truth and righteousness and salvation, suggest that we put on God himself, or at least his characteristics. And this idea is close in meaning to the distinctive exhortation of Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. So what is this? Well, Isaiah has a theme running right through of a soldier Dressed in armor, and as we read it, you'll hear echoes of Paul all the way through. Isaiah 40, look, the sovereign Lord comes out as a victorious warrior. His military power establishes his rule. Like a shepherd, he tends his flock. He gathers up the lambs with his arm. He carries them close to his heart. He leads the ewes along. Isaiah 11, verse 4. He will treat the poor fairly and make right decisions for the downtrodden of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and order the wicked to be executed. Justice will be like a belt around his waist. Integrity will be like a belt around his hips. Isaiah 49 verse 1. Listen to me, you coastlands. Pay attention, you people who live far away. The Lord summoned me from birth. He commissioned me when my mother brought me to this world. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. He hid me in the hollow of his hand. He made me like a sharpened arrow. He hid me in his quiver. More in Isaiah 52. How delightful it is to see approaching over the mountains the feet of a messenger who announces peace, a messenger who brings good news, who announces deliverance, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Isaiah 59.16. He sees there was no advocate. He's shocked there was no one to intercede. So he takes matters into his own hands. His desire for justice drives him on. He wears his desire for righteousness as a breastplate. And his desire to bring salvation is like a helmet on his head. So this is like Paul is basically quoting from this. The righteousness of breastplate, the helmet of salvation. As a protector comes to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their rebellious deeds, says the Lord. As for me, this is my purpose to them, says the Lord. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I placed in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children and descendants from this time forward, says the Lord. So woven into Isaiah are prophecies of the coming of Jesus. I'm sure you know that. There's some very clear prophecies. And also woven in is prophecies of Jesus coming as a warrior who will defeat the injustice, the, the, the wrong, the evil that's happening on this world. And he is, he is pictured as this, this soldier who's dressed up. And so I'm not saying that Paul isn't, making any connection with Roman soldiers, but but just about all of the the commentaries on uh, Ephesians agree that the primary reference here is that it's God's armor that we're to put on, the armor that Jesus wears in this battle against evil. 
And uh, some of the words Paul uses are actually only found in that connection in Isaiah. So he's very clearly making this link. So this is the divine warrior. Um, and uh, there's a, a, just a quote to read to you. Um, oh, sorry, no, I, I just read that quote. Um, uh, so let's, let's then look at um, the passage itself and look at what this armor is in more detail. What does it mean to actually put on this armor? So I'm going to go through those seven items in some detail now, talking about what it actually means. And the first we have is truth. And the truth that speaks, Paul speaks of here is two kinds of truth. It's the truth about Jesus, about the gospel, about salvation. It's what we call objective truth. It's, it's what he's been talking about. Uh, but it's also practicing the truth in our lives, um, actually living out the truth. And um, I can... Uh, Let's give a quote, Ephesians 1. In him, that's in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then in chapter 4, assuming that you've heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And so this is, the, this is truth. And it's interesting, this section that we're looking at now in Ephesians 6, the armor of God, that Paul begins with by saying, and finally, he's actually summarizing the teaching of Ephesians, bring it together in this armor. Because all of the words he uses are common words that he's used throughout the book. So what we're doing now is I'm saying, okay, he says, you know, buckle the truth around you. Where is truth in Ephesians? Oh, here it is, chapter 1, chapter 4, and other places. And so it's to bring us to mind what he's talking about as truth. And that is the truth he's referring to. And uh, there's also another aspect to the truth. Um, the devil is the opposite of truth. He is the father of lies. And Jesus said, he is a liar and the father of lies. There's no truth in him. And Paul was very concerned about the way the devil schemes and tries to trick believers and bring lies against them. And so he wants us to be fully convinced of the truth of our new identity in Christ, but also to live out of that truth in a life that's filled with truth. So part of truth is the objective truth, but the other part is actually living it. Put on the new self for 24. Created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we're members of one or another. And so those are the two aspects. We receive the truth, but we're actually living out of truth. That's what it means to buckle truth around you. That you take it in and you live it out. That is the truth that Paul wants us be engaged with. And if you like, that is the foundation. That's a foundational garment, but it's also the starting point because when you've got that, the other things can be built from it. The next thing we have is righteousness. And we had that verse in Isaiah 59 I just read to you. He put on righteousness as his breastplate. 
And Paul tells the, the, the readers um, that they should strip off the old self, um, which is, um, and put on the new self, which is created in the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. And what he's saying here is that the, the righteousness that they're to live from is something that comes from Christ. Let me give you a quote in Ephesians 5 to explain this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the son of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partakers with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and true and right. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So in other words, this is walking in righteousness. It's walking out of this new relationship with God. So I would say that it's, there's two aspects to it. There's, there's receiving the righteousness of Jesus, but living out of this relationship with God where we want to walk as he wants us to, walking as children of light. So it's quite simply then, taking on this righteousness, taking the righteousness on the breastplate of righteousness is, uh, is understanding that we're righteous in Christ and living that out in our lives. So Satan wants to attack our righteousness by constantly telling us that we, we sin all the time, and we do. Until glory, we will sin frequently, and he wants to tell us that. And here's a, a quote, an old quote from a writer called Edie. To, ins to every insinuation from Satan that they are so vile, guilty, worthless, and perverse, so beset with sin and under such wrath that God will repulse them, they that us believers oppose the free and perfect righteousness of their Redeemer, which is upon them, so that the dart thrown at them only rings against such a breastplate and falls blunted to the earth. So, yes, so it's we who, who oppose the enemies with the free and perfect righteousness of the Redeemer. So when he throws darts at us saying, you're guilty, you're worthless, you're vile, then the darts cannot stick because we say, no, I have righteousness in Jesus. And they're blunted and they fall to the ground. So putting on this breastplate of righteousness has got the idea of, I am confident that I'm saved in Jesus and nothing that, that no attacks of Satan can, uh, can destroy that. So again, two aspects, this truth aspect and then living them out practically in our lives. Uh, so that was the, um, the, the first two steps. And then the, the, put it buckling around truth and then the breastplate of righteousness. The next we've got is the readiness for the gospel, which is, which is your, your, your feet shod with readiness to, to, to take the gospel. And uh, this is about being ready to share the gospel, which contains a message of peace with God. Readiness to proclaim this. As a, there's a lovely idea here. It's important to remember that spiritual warfare has nothing to do with literal physical warfare. So, unfortunately, throughout the ages, people in the name of Christ have conducted wars. Um, 
But this is not what it's talking about. In fact, this is a struggle against the spiritual forces that stand behind and incite acts of literal violence, hatred, and actual flesh and blood warfare. So when you see flesh and blood warfare in this world, there is demonic behind that. Some of the, the leaders may be demonically controlled. There's, there's ha things happening there. Spiritual warfare is the solution to human warfare. And what is really neat here is that it's peace, which is the, uh, which is the weapon. Like, this is, it's the weapon of our warfare is peace, and peace actually destroys the, the warfare. It's, it's, it's the only thing that can bring down these principalities and powers. Again, a quote from Isaiah. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to the Lord, your God reigns. And so the, this battle, we see all of this evil happening in this world and the, 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 the peace of the gospel, the peace of Jesus can actually destroy the warfare that we see out there. <clears throat> so that is the feat. The next we have is the shield of faith. And uh, again, this, the word faith is echoed right throughout the book of Ephesians. And let's have a look at Ephesians chapter 3. <clears throat> I pray that according to the wealth of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner person. So this is the prayer. What, how does this prayer work out? That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, so that because you have been rooted and grounded in love, you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. And this all happens through faith. And quite simply, faith is trust. Faith is trusting in the truth. The word faith, unfortunately, has been very distorted nowadays and become like, oh, faith, because I don't, you know, I have to have faith because there's no evidence for it, so it's just faith. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Faith is believing the truth with the evidence. Um, it's so certain that I'm just going to hold on to this. And it's just more than just believing it intellectually, but it's actually holding on to this truth that's solidly there. So how does this differ then from the truth, buckling the truth around us? Well, I would say that the shield of faith is actually putting this into practice. It's not just knowing the truth is there, but putting it into practice against these fiery arrows that get, get sent at us. And uh, I'm going to give you some suggestions here. Evil thoughts that dropped into the mind that come in and they, they, Satan just drops them in. There may be external arrows that come at us, persecution from political authorities, thoughts of accusation of sin that bring intense feelings of guilt. Satan can say, you know, you're guilty, you, you're a bad person. False teachings by those who claim to be Christians. Temptations to engage in behaviors displeasing to God. In other words, thoughts that pop into our mind that are doubt or disobedience or rebellion or lust or malice or fear. These coming in, and these are arrows that are coming in. And the answer to these arrows is to have a firm, a firm hold on this shield of faith that 
the truth isn't just wrapped around us anymore. The truth is there and says, no, I'm not going to give in to that temptation because I'm a new person in Jesus Christ. I am part of a, of a spiritual world. I'll be living for eternity with him, and I'm not going to listen to that temptation. No, I don't have to be afraid of that person who's, who's attacking me. I'm, I'm securing Christ. Nothing can shake that. And so it's working out the truth in individual attacks and applying those to individual attacks in our lives. And uh, it's, um, there's uh, the, the, the story that the fiery darts were really quite nasty. What they would do is they would they'd take an arrow and they'd have a wide, a, a hollow part of the arrow, which they would fill, they'd widen it out and they'd fill it with, um, with pitch, which is like tar on the road surfaces, it's, but it burns, it's very difficult to put out. They'd fill it with this, they'd set fire to it, they'd have to fire it, not too fast or it would put the flame out. But when it landed, pouring water on it wouldn't put it out. It would just flame up more. And it was very hard. To, they were very, very nasty weapons, these, these, uh, these flaming arrows. Really, really nasty weapons. And one of the things they would do is have a shield which was covered in an animal skin. They would wet it before the battle. And that was actually successful because the, the, the damp animal skin wouldn't catch fire. And so the shield then is actually, people did use shields against fiery arrows. And uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a good illustration. But fiery arrows are really nasty. These are really vicious attacks. And so no matter how vicious the attack is, the shield of faith holding that truth up can defend us against it. And so those are the arrows then. Um, in Isaiah uh, 59, 17, Jesus, the divine warrior, um, he puts on the helmet of salvation. And that's what we're going to come to next, the helmet of salvation. Paul strongly emphasizes salvation is right now. Salvation isn't just in the future. We already have salvation. It's something we can live out of right now. And uh, he, I'm going to give you some uh, quotes about that. Um, Ephesians 2, even though we were dead in transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to notice these are all in the past tense. He did it. He did it in the past. It's happened. You are already raised up. You are saved already. Uh, not you will be saved, but you are, to demonstrate in the coming age the surpassing wealth of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. By grace you are saved, and in the Greek that's like in the past. You have been and you still are saved through faith, and that is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. The um, Greek has got a, what they call the perfect tense, which is a way of saying that something happened, and the repercussions of it are, are lasting continue to last and that's what the, the the tense that Paul is using to describe what happened it happened but the uh, and the uh, the effects are still now in the present and in the future this happened to us this salvation and uh, um, so uh, believers are joined to Jesus in his resurrection his exaltation we share in his power and uh 
to, to take on our identity with Jesus is to put this helmet on, to say, yes, this is my identity. I'm the one. He gives me power to deliver. And this is this assurance of future salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. So this um, helmet, again, is taking part of the truth, but it's applying the truth to our security our security in Christ, that the head is the, you know, it's the, the most um, uh, vulnerable part of us for, for injuries, and that part has to be kept safe, and that part is protected by the helmet. And so this is the helmet, and then we have the, the sword, which is the word of God, and the sword here is thought of as being both offensive and defensive. It's, it's uh, both something you attack the enemy with, but also you can defend with the sword. Um, can you think of any time that Jesus fought back with the sword? The sword, which is the word of God? Yeah? When he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he fought back with the word of God. He used the word like a sword. And... Um, this is speaking out the truth. I'm joined to Jesus. You can't touch me. Um, it's, uh, this is something which I've got hidden in my heart. And um, in Psalm 19, we read, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so this, the sword, the, the word of God is a sword of the spirit. Um, and I'll come back to that in just a, a few minutes. The last one of them is praying. And praying, it's interesting, the praying is something that is more um, uh, space given to that than to all of the other ones. And it's kind of set apart. I'm going to go back to the passage now and just point out a few things to you here about this passage as a whole. Um, it's quite neat that... Um, he begins by saying, we are being empowered in the Lord, which is the name that they would use for Jesus. And then put on the, same, the full armor of God, which would be referring to the Father. And then ending up by saying, praying at all times in the Spirit. And so we've seen several times before that Paul has this beautiful way of weaving the Trinity in to his writings. Never in the Bible does it use the word Trinity but it's woven all the way through there. And uh, what's neat here is that if you look at those first seven items there, they're, uh, they're all um, you know, just a single line or a little bit more than that. But prayer has got this whole section to it. And it's, it's, it's set apart from the other things because it's not associated with a particular piece of armor. No, it's prayer actually enables all of the pieces of armor. The other six are put into effect by prayer. So prayer is, uh, is this, this kind of high level. Um, we, uh, we have, by means of prayer, we can actually use all of these things. He uses the word all four times there in those words. Another thing which we can't see in our translation, but he begins, he begins words with a per sound eight times in this. He starts with a per, 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 per. And the whole thing is almost sort of woven like a poem, the way that he's put this section in prayer. And so uh, this then is not a seventh weapon, but a, 
but something which enables all of the weapons to be put into place. So that then is the the, uh, the prayer. And just to say a few things about this, um, to, uh, prayer in the Spirit means seeking the Spirit's guidance and help and direction as we're praying. Just being aware continually with, that he's with us as we're praying. Occasionally people have suggested that it means speaking in tongues, but there's no hint in the text that that's what it's referring to. Rather, it's the opposite to praying in the flesh. There's a verse that's in James that says, you, you ask, but you do not receive, because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your lusts. In other words, you're just praying out of the flesh, you're something I want. God, please give me a new sports car. You know, that's, that's praying from the flesh. Praying from the Spirit is praying from the new life that we have within us, the new identity of the Spirit. Paul explains we have these two identities, the old which we put off, the new which we put on, and this new identity in the Spirit is what this prayer should be. And so I want to say, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying out of your new life, your new person, your new birth. And so this is how we are called to pray these times. So that's a very quick run through the um, the seven, uh, I wouldn't say seven weapons, the seven, six weapons and the prayer that's part of putting on this armor. And I want to just summarize them in a final slide, um, which is going to pull all of these things together. And uh, We've looked at whose armor it is. It's Jesus. It's God's armor. Jesus is the, 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 the Isaiah um, soldier who's going out to battle. We looked at putting on this armor, and now just some practical suge- suggestions for being ready for any battle. So first of all, take hold of your victory in Jesus and strap it around you. Really make sure you've got hold of this. Really make sure you've got hold of this teaching in Ephesians that you're joined to Jesus, raised with him, seated with him in heavenly places, and all the other truths about your new identity. Strap those around you. Particularly grasp your righteousness like a breastplate. Particularly grasp that he has paid the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future. When God looks at you, he sees no sin whatsoever. He sees you spotless. Um, You have got no fear that he's going to turn against you on the last day because this righteousness can be like a breastplate that you can pull out there to to defend against these attacks. Be ready to share this news of peace. And... um, I'm going to, in the new year, I'm planning that we will actually take some time on equipping us to share the gospel in our, in our friends, amongst our, in a workplace, whatever situation we're in. And I'm going to do some Sundays where we go through how might we be equipped to bring the gospel. Um, I've written a little booklet called Finding God, which is like a summary of the gospel that we can use. And also some, uh, some really, um, some really good, uh, effective biblical strategies. So I want us to do some training in this area so all of us are equipped, so we're ready when the, the opening comes. Sometimes it comes very quickly. You just get this, this huge, huge uh, uh, opportunity, but it's a very short time space. Some of you might say, well, what do you believe anyway? 
and then you're thinking, what do I say? What do I? And then the conversation has changed. You need to be ready for something to get in at that point. Um, so be ready to share this news of peace. Hold firm to truth and use it as a shield. Hold firm to truth and use it as a shield. So this is not just having the truth around you, but actually using it and, and getting used to using it so that particularly um, attacks from Satan that would deceive you, that would try and make you go the wrong way, or would attack your identity in Christ. But what Paul wants you to do at this point is to say, okay, you've been praying earlier on that I, I have... I can believe this thing. What is it exactly you want me to believe, Paul? And read Ephesians. This, this, this fourth one is um, this shield of faith is, is put on by reading what Paul has said. Not just Ephesians, but it's a good place to start. Wear your identity confidently as a helmet. Uh, and so again, this is, this is a truth applied in this particular way. Uh, I am a new creation in Christ. He's already accomplished my salvation. Satan, you cannot take it away from me. And I will be with him in glory forever. And then uh, number six, and know the Bible so you can use it like a sword. And again, I'm going to be doing a series in the new year where we're going to do uh, a series on how to read the Bible devotionally when you are when you are, um, you know, have a limited time each day, but you want to make sure you regularly read the Bible. And I'm going to take you through a, a series, and the goal is that we will all read the same passage of Scripture every day for a month. And then we, we can, I can preach on that as we're going through, and we can do this as a practice and as a way of reading the Bible that I feel is a, a good start for this. So knowing the Bible so you can use it like a sword. You can't have the sword unless you know the Bible. But if you have those verses, like Jesus could use those verses on Satan because he had them, because he'd been reading, since he was a child, he'd been reading the Bible and studying it, and he knew it, and he could just bring it out at the right time and use it. And the last one, pray all the time in tune with the Spirit. Pray all the time. Remember, four times he uses the word all. All the time, be praying and be praying in tune with the Spirit. Even if you don't know what to pray, uh, you're not sure what to pray, the Spirit can help you pray at these times. And so I want to encourage you then um, to put on this armor. I want to encourage you to, to not just to see, I've got to read these verses again, um, no, read the whole of Ephesians again. Read the whole thing, because that is what putting the armor is. That's why he's ended with this. He's saying, look, <clears throat> this is where I've been going with this, but this is how I'm summing things up. So go over what I've said, read it all, take it to heart, and this is how you use it in warfare. So I'm just going to close in prayer now that all of us will be prepared as we fight this battle that we can take a stand. Lord, we thank you that if we are in Christ, if we're saved, if we're trusting you, then we are so secure. We have all of this armor. We have nothing to fear. Lord, I pray for each one of us here, each one of us here, that we will be equipped and prepared so that whatever gets thrown at us by life or by the evil one, 
we will be ready to take a stand and we are ready to take opportunities to be on the offensive with peace, destroying Satan's kingdom by speaking the words of peace into it. Lord, we thank you that the victory is ours. The victory is ours for eternity. Lord, may we have the joy of seeing it come to pass in front of our very eyes. We bring this to you, praying in the spirit. Amen.